Each week at Plugged In, we review the biggest movies in the land. Movies in theaters, movies streaming on Netflix and Amazon Prime and Disney Plus and HBO Max, and the list goes on and on. It gets longer every week. And each week, we strive to give you everything you need to make the best decision possible for you and your family about what you choose to watch and what you choose to avoid. But, you know, our movie reviews are not like normal movie reviews where it's some, you know, kind of artsy, curmudgeonly critic who goes in and, <laughs> well, some of us are curmudgeonly, but that's a different podcast for yes. a different time, who goes in and, and tears it apart from that perspective. No, what we do is we categorize things by different kinds of content that we think you need to know about. Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host of The Plugged In Show, focus on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, pop culture, and technology. Thanks for joining us today. Well, the way we review movies, as I said a minute ago, is is just a bit different. And we thought it would be interesting for you, because it's interesting for us, to spend some time talking about what goes into the way that we think about these different categories of content that we have in movie reviews. It's something that we affectionately call in-house the grid. And the grid uh, is is an energy field that permeates all... No, <laughs> no, that's the force. That's the force. Sorry. That was a Star Wars You had to do that. <laughs> yes. Now, we use something called the grid in which we look at movies from a whole bunch of different perspectives. And so we have our movie reviews, in addition to the introduction and the conclusion, are divided into seven different sections. Positive elements, spiritual elements, sexual content, violent content, crude or profane language, drug and alcohol content, and other negative elements. And over the last couple of weeks, we have actually been publishing a series of blogs talking about these different sections. So we are going to dive in today. And, you know, it may be that you listen to us and you're like, well, yeah, uh, that was pretty self-evident. Or, and this is our hope, you're like, oh, that's why they do it that way. Now I understand. And I thought it was stupid. And I thought it was stupid. <laughs> no, we're very purposeful about what we do and how we do it. I'm joined today by Paul AC, Kristen Smith, Bob Hoos, and Jonathan McKee. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, hey. sir. So we're going to dive into content in just a second. And in our second segment today, Bob Hoos is going to tell us about a new anime movie called Bell that uh, packs in a surprising amount of positive, even spiritual messages into its imaginative. And I think I can say it's a tech focused sort of reimagining of Beauty and the Beast. So, Bob, we will look forward to hearing about that okay. in just a few minutes. <laughs> but... Let's talk about content. We can call it the winner of our content, not the winner of our discontent. Anyway, thanks for working with me on that terrible joke. Here is I didn't how... know it was a joke. No, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so here's how we are going to approach our conversation today. We're going to talk about the first three segments in our reviews. We're going to talk about positive elements, spiritual elements, and sexual content. And I'm going to ask the same questions pretty much for each one to give you a sense of here's how we go about this and here's why we do it. So let's dive in on positive elements. And in some ways, 
you might think this is the most self-evident category, but I actually think there are a few wrinkles with this one that are going to be interesting for us to talk about. So what kind of stuff do we record in Positive Elements? So I, when I started working here, this was really difficult for me. I don't know why. Uh, now that obviously... Is it because you're such a negative person? Okay. Well, let's move on. So, <laughs> no, I'm not. No, you're not. You're anyway. not a negative person. I just, uh, I just wanted to offer a theory. No, that would be Paul. But anyway, when I first started working here, it was really difficult um, because I would really tie this in with spiritual content. Like... We work for a Christian organization. So in my head, I'm like trying to take like the positive spiritual stuff and put this in like positive content. But really, as I've started to flesh this process out, it's about someone's character. It's about the good choices that they make. It's about seeing a positive amongst a lot of negative. And that sometimes can take a lot of work, especially if you're working with a movie that's feels like a lot of it is just negative. It can, it can be a positive worldview, too. Yes. Not only by an individual, but by the movie as a whole. You know, does it take a perspective on the world that we don't often hear, mm. but that's very positive? I like that. It can be really tricky, I think, because we, a lot of times, we, as you said, Kristen, we, we sometimes deal with some really rocky movies, and sometimes the closest thing you can say about something positive would be, well, the guy had nice socks, you yeah. know, <laughs> something right. like that. But there almost always is something in there. You have people fighting for each other. You have people who sacrifice for each other. There, even in the even in the worst movies, you can often find that, and and it can be a challenge and, to find, and but. I, I, th I think that's one of the reasons that we include it mm -hmm. is to let people know that, okay, you expect X from yes. this film, yep. but it also adds this mm -hmm. in there, which could be something for thought. Mm -hmm. That's my favorite part of it. I think it gives credit to something that most people probably wouldn't and right. not in a way that, you know, excuses it for a family or gives it a pass, but allows people to see a different side. Well, and I would add to that, I think some of our most critical letters are people who write in, weirdly enough, about our positive content section. They're yeah. like, how could you have anything good to say about this horrible movie? Mm -hmm. And sometimes we have entire genres that actually have, like what you were saying, Bob, a what is ultimately a positive worldview, but it's so drenched with content that uh, you wouldn't necessarily expect to find anything positive at all. Right. When I go into a movie, one of the things that I find myself doing is really thinking that there's no such thing as a perfect movie. There's no such thing as an as a movie that has nothing good within it. And it sort of goes back to my own philosophy about, about us as people, you know, because movies are created by people. We know that as people, we are created by God. We are created to be beautiful. And there's a seed of that within us all, right? But we live in a fallen world, so everything is fallen around us. And you see those fallen elements within the movies, but you can, if you look hard enough, find that kernel of goodness within something. So that's positive elements. And I think that positive elements can help us answer the question, is there enough redemptive here that I want to go here? You know, mm -hmm. especially in movies that might be kind of on the edge. And there's a lot of PG-13 stuff out there, especially that I think, okay, there's some redemptive stuff and there's some real problems. And so hopefully the positive elements section right. can give you some fodder for 
what's the takeaway if I want to have a conversation after that? And, and as Kristen said, the positive elements section really does segue into our spiritual content section. And, and sometimes it's hard to figure out how to divide those two things out. But what kinds of things are we looking for uh, when we talk about the spiritual elements of a movie? I feel like I should just hand this over to Paul. What do you think, Paul? <laughs> and now Paul. This is Paul. <laughs> you know, it begins with the really simple stuff, right? We're looking for prayers. We're looking for uh, crosses on the walls. We're looking for a, a theme of faith within the characters. Is someone a strong Christian? Is someone a strong Muslim? Is someone really anti-Christian? You know, you have all these elements yeah. that work together with these movies. But the thing that... that I love about this section, this is one of the things that that I do love digging into, is just the idea of worldview. Because we we do talk about worldview within the positive section. We can talk about it within other sections. But in the spiritual content section, it, it really comes to the fore. Because you can help me out with this, Adam. Someone once said that what you think about God is the most important mm-hmm. thing about you. Yeah. And I think that's really true. And you find evidence within that these movies, and we try to flesh that out in the sections. Well, and I think about recently the Eternals as a film that, um, okay, Eternal is in the title, so maybe you've got an idea that we're dealing with godlike beings. But, Paul, I love the way that you unpacked just the depth of spiritual content in that movie and ultimately a worldview really at odds with the Christian worldview. And I think we wouldn't necessarily think about superhero movies as being inherently spiritual, but I find more and more Marvel is kind of headed in that direction because they almost have to when they're dealing with bigger and bigger conflicts and right. bigger and bigger cosmic powers. And and so this is the section where we unpack some of those things. Yeah, and it can get fun. And mm-hmm. a lot of the movies that we deal with are kind of conflicted amongst themselves, you know, and, and Eternals is a good example of that, where it, it, it deals with so many heavy spiritual themes, but it doesn't really know what to think about any of them. And yeah. so it becomes this sort of convoluted mess philosophically right. and theologically. Yeah, and I think another kind of movie where this category obviously is in play is in Christian movies. And Mm -hmm. we might think most Christian movies would mostly have theological content that, you know, is great, that we pretty much agree with across the board. Um, But I think sometimes we have movies where we need to unpack some of the spiritual assumptions. There are movies that beg questions about prayer. We had the spate of you know, near death movies where we had people going off and having these experiences in heaven. And there were several of them and then coming back. Well, scripture doesn't say a lot about that. And so even sometimes I think with Christian movies, this is the section where we try to dig in theologically and say, you know, how does this line up with what we see in scripture? What are the implications here? What does this say about prayer? Um, um, I think about the movie where the boy was underwater for like 40 minutes and, oh, yeah. and came back. And it asks a lot of questions about prayer because there are other people whose prayers aren't answered in that movie. And so why does God answer some prayers and not others? So it can be a real discussion starter as well. And we have to keep in mind that these films are being written as films that we watch right so they have to be entertaining that doesn't necessarily mean that they'll always be spiritually accurate right so sometimes they'll twist things this way or that way just to make it a little bit more interesting uh for us to watch but 
they can run a foul or run a field of of uh, their base material, let's say. Yeah. Hmm. Well, let's move on to the next category, which is sexual content. And we know from our research of plugged in users that this is often the section that parents especially look at first. It might be the most evident and obvious pain point with regard to, you know, I do or don't want my kids to watch this movie. So let's talk about sexual content and some of the inherent difficulties in even trying to record the content that we see. Well, I think this is actually the hardest category. Mm -hmm. And that's because you know, as observers, you know, we're sitting in the theater and we're taking notes because we know we have to fill up all these categories and we need to let parents know of every bit of content that we can that we think they might be interested in. And in the sexual area, it's difficult to not only record those things, but then uh, spell them out in the category without being as offensive as the film itself. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, that's super hard. Yeah, and the more explicit things are, in some ways, the harder that challenge gets. Yeah, I think that this is actually an interesting conversation because I just sent an email to Paul and it, and, and I've sent it to each one of you where I'm like, hey, I have an issue with this section. I'm going to try to talk about this in the email so it's not awkward. It's going to be awkward. In fact, it is awkward. Can you help me? figure out how to say this. So as Hoos was saying, this isn't something that's offensive, but... It's so tricky because we have to talk so honestly and openly about a lot of these issues that we come across. And we have to do it within not only a work environment, but within a Christian work environment. It can be really difficult. How do you talk about some of these things that we have to talk about? Then we have to keep our readers in mind. I mean, we've we've had feedback from people on some of our reviews saying, you know, this was so descriptive. I didn't want my husband to read it. Right. And, or my and, 14-year-old yeah, boy. I mean, those things, and that's our challenge, mm-hmm. is to try and find that balance. One of the other things that we have to deal with in our reviews is trying to decide what actually is sexual content, because sometimes right. this stuff can be uncertain. Is this a double entendre? Is this meant innocently? Is this character who acts a certain way meant to illustrate that he is this certain way? You know, and that can be a very difficult thing to walk through. We have had um, people who have written in about certain movies where there wasn't necessarily any explicit content, but some readers have interpreted, say, a rainbow on the foot as sort right. of a a cue that they're calling this character out as gay or whatnot. So it can be a really difficult thing for us as movie reviewers to walk through all that. And I think we need to be careful of some of the themes, too, because there's mov- some movies that avoid nudity and sexual situations, but they kind of yep. allude to just... Um, kind of morality that's really askew, you know, comments about, well, I would never get married. That's stupid. Or, you know, let's live together. And just things where basically like this is the norm and you're stupid if you don't think this way. And a lot of movies come across with those themes. And I've seen parents avoid really good movies who might have, you know, I think of like sometimes old like, you know, battle movies or whatever, where there happen to be like, you know, a naked butt or something like that shown and parents are like, well, there was nudity, so I didn't watch that. But they let their kids watch some PG movie that was full of 
kind of ridiculous morality. And so I think we need to really kind of look for those themes too and see what are our kids learning from this. And again, balance that with our own conversations about truth so they recognize those lives. I think that's an excellent point. I really hope that parents, that you guys are able to take our reviews and really allow them to help your families. Because especially like for my family growing up, when I would get into this and I would watch something, the thing that I saw the most are the topics were like porn is funny or it's totally okay to live with a boyfriend. And all these things were normalized where in the same way, a lot of parents, including my own, were like, well, there's this scene, no. But then of course, all these other shows have all these worldviews that are expressed way more heavily than that one scene. Exactly. Well, I think you can hopefully see, as we've talked about this, there's enormous complexity here. And let me just sort of put a bow on this conversation to say, we're also trying to think about this from a Christian theological perspective. And so there are times when, you know, we really bring in very clearly, here's what scripture has to say about this subject. Now, it's not every single movie we see, uh, but this one, I think, especially is an area where Um, the more a movie deals with it, the more we need to be dealing with it theologically. So um, honestly, I think this is one of the most challenging things that we write about, but it's also one of the most prevalent themes in culture. And so we really want to help and equip you to not only know what the content is, but here's how we're thinking about it. Here's how maybe you can think and talk about this with your kids as well, because The culture is having this conversation with our children, whether we're aware of it or not. And even if we're pretty careful in our homes and we have good boundaries in place, they have friends that don't have that. So we want to be educating, to be forming and shaping our kids' ability to think critically and biblically about this. And and this is a really important section to do that. Well, in our second segment today, um, we're going to talk about Bell. Bob? What is Bell, and what do parents need to know about it? Well, if people would connect with the references, I was seeing it sort of like um, a cross between Ready Player One, which is a movie, and Beauty and the Beast. Whoa. Sort of wrapped up in this gorgeous anime presentation. Okay. Um, It's a story about a 16-year-old young girl named Suzu who... uh, she happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time and saw her mother perish in a tragic accident. Mm. At 16, she's still very removed from the world around her. She doesn't have much of a relationship with her dad. She she can't sing. Her mom and she used to sing all the time, and she mm. can't even lift up a note anymore without feeling ill. And so she's really r- removed from the world at this point doesn't have very many friends then finds out about this thing this new thing called you as in the letter u and it's an online virtual universe basically meta yes exactly well i mean it is it's sort of like what facebook hopes and dreams that meta one day may be okay where everybody steps in and they're in this virtual avatar of their own hmm. um this young girl decides she's going to join you. She get, uses this little device that is, gives her a biometric scan, and then she steps into this world at, in this avatar form that the game has given her. And it turns out that her particular avatar is this beautiful anime girl who has a gorgeous singing voice. 
And she can once again sing in this virtual reality. And all these characters in there, all these people are drawn to her because of her voice. Girls of song Guide me through the storm Did I just sing? I can finally sing again. But she is drawn to this individual that she crosses paths with called the dragon. Mm. And he's the beast character that mm-hmm. is angry and tearing things up. And But she feels connected to him because of his, she can sense his pain. Wow. And so the film is eventually all about their relationship and how the two of them bring each other to an emotional healing. Hmm. And it's, a, it's a, a beautifully made film, and it really is very impressive. What, um, what kind of content issues show up here for, you know, for those that this sounds like an interesting film? Well, there's pros and cons. You know, you mentioned something about spirituality. There's no overt spiritual uh, content here, but there is the, the director uses a lot of symbols and a lot of imagery to help us get a sense of that spiritual connection that we all have. Okay. And especially when it comes to serving the needs of others or helping someone else or reaching out. Um, it really shows that we're all sort of connected. We have that same spiritual need to give and to take and to share and to help. And people find healing through that process. So that's very positive. On the negative side, and this is the only drawback that I would suggest parents be thinking about. There's because there's no language issues to worry about, really. Uh, there's a few light uh, bits of things that parents probably would frown at, but nothing major. The major parts here is that you look at the poster and you think this is going to be a kid's movie because Mm. it's such a colorful anime visual there. Um, But when you step inside, you realize it deals with a lot of heavy topics. For teens on up, it's great. Okay. For younger kids, though, I mean, it's dealing with things like grief and loss and anger and insecurities and later on in the film it even deals with abuse Mm. emotional and implied physical abuse now we don't see anything really nasty happening but it's all there and it could be disturbing for younger kids okay well i think that's a a good overview and warning and i would just add you know we talked about anime fairly Mm -hmm. recently on the podcast uh, a couple months ago and we expressed some concerns about the genre and i think this is a great example of a film that it may have some minor content issues that right. need to be navigated, but we don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. Like right. there can be some really terrific anime stuff out there. And, and especially for a teen audience on up, it could be a great conversation starter in exactly. terms of, you know, the real things that we deal exactly. with. Exactly. That's, and that's what this is. It's one of those kinds of films that you can enjoy as a family and you can talk about later because there, there are some pretty heady topics in the midst. And I'll also say that one of the things that we want to do at Plugged In is to make you aware of stuff that's out there that is under the radar. And I think this qualifies as something that, you know, unless you're a real cinephile and you're paying close attention to what's coming out, you probably miss this one. But it may be one that is worth your time if you're looking for something creative and redemptive and provocative in the best sense of that word. So yes, thank you, Bob. Well, now it's time for a segment of our show we like to call Culture Culture Cow. Oh, you know what? 
We're doing something different this week. <laughs> we uh, are going to give Culture Countdown a week or two off, and we're going to do something new and exciting. It's a shame. We kind of I know, Paul, because you, <laughs> you love having your time limits because it helps you to crystallize your thinking. No, we're <laughs> going to do something that I'm going to call Pop Culture Connection. And each of these segments will feature a question that allows us to give some guidance that can help parents and tweens and teens connect in the area of entertainment and pop culture. So I don't have a timer out this week. So y'all are going to be on the honor system, but we're still shooting for about 30 seconds. So uh, we're not doing a 2000 word verbal review of what I'm going to ask. So here's my question. No saw movies. (laughs) No saw movies. Okay. My question is this. What's one movie you think every teenager should see and why? Okay, I'm going to go first. Okay. I would choose The Passion of the Christ. I remember seeing it in high school. I know it's rated R. I know Adam said to stay away from that, but there are a lot of <laughs> terrible PG-13 movies that kids could be yeah. seeing. So yeah. it allowed me to see God in a whole new way. It allowed me to really understand the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. I feel like the way that the Bible tells it, that it's not just this pretty painted portrait. It was difficult and hard and we're supposed to walk in that with the Lord. So anyway, that would be my choice. All right. Yeah. Well, obviously it's a movie that has some issues mm-hmm. that you'll want to think about before right. you watch it with your kids, but um, it's hard for me to say too much negative about a movie about Jesus. Uh-huh, you so, can't. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, Mr. AC, I right. choose you. All right. I would have a lot more to say about this, of course. Don't waste your time but complaining. But <laughs> my choice would be To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, this is a good Classic, movie. classic. Good one. It's based on a really good book, and yes, the book is better, Kristen. But but it is a fabulous movie that really introduces a, one of the great cinematic heroes of all time, uh, voiced by Gregory Peck. Oh. Uh, I would just like him. Just like him. Just Love you, Paul. Him. Don't quit your day. Job. So, but it has some it has some great messages about standing up for the what's right, about fatherhood, about a lot of other stuff. So it's really great. Oh, All right, thirty seven yeah. seconds to kill a mockingbird, a classic black and white movie, and that makes me right. wonder if Mister Hoos has a classic black oh, and white movie oh, for you us. Of course he does. Can bet I do. <laughs> okay, <A> classic. <laughs> uh, Twelve Angry Men. Okay, what's uh, that about? That's well, a, great a lot one. of people yeah. a lot of people think it's a, like a court case, but it's actually about a jury room. It's about 12 people yeah. in a jury room trying to determine a court case. Uh, and the reason I think it's a great film for teens is that it teaches them about the, one of the most enlightened elements of the Constitution, and that is the fact that we are, a defendant is innocent until proven guilty. Okay. And it's a great piece. All right. That's good. So 12 Angry Men. Jonathan, what do you have for us? I'm going to go with Signs. And Mm. Signs, because young people love scary, and it's a scary film, and it's an intense film, it's fun storytelling. Uh, M. Night Shyamalan is the writer, great writer, and it is a fun film, but it's also intense. It's got like this one scene that's just this explicit discussion of whether or not God is out there or not. It's one of those films that when you finish you just want to talk about. And so great film to see as a family. Well, and that's the thing that we want to do with this segment is give you potential conversation starters that can be catalysts to dig into the big questions that teens ask. And especially uh, I've got two teenagers and I find that they are 
asking deeper questions and they're not satisfied with simple things anymore. So we want to give stories to help you dive into that. And I'm going to go with Dead Poet Society with the disclaimer that there's some language, there's some tough themes here. There's one flash of an image that uh, is inappropriate, but this is a movie that deals with the teen subject and that's the subject of yearning. It's a movie that deals with passion. Robin Williams plays uh, a very unorthodox teacher who helps his kids fall in love with literature, but then a suicide kind of punctures this uh, environment at this elite boarding school and they have to deal with the harshness of reality. And so Mm -hmm. I think it, it ping pongs between those two themes of our longing and our yearning for uh, sometimes things we can't even express. And then what do we do when hard things happen? So thanks guys for great answers and a a real diversity of potential options for Mm -hmm. parents to think about uh, in movies they can watch with their teens. And thank you for spending some time with us today at the Plugged In Show. What did you think about our conversation? Have you ever thought about the content sections in our Plugged In reviews? And did we touch on anything where you're like, oh, man, I've never thought about that. Or, hey, you guys, you need to do this too and you're not doing it. We would love to hear from you and you can get in touch with us on Facebook or Instagram or shoot us an email at team at thepluggedinshow.com and we would, we'd love to hear from you. And we would also like to say thank you for being a part of the Plugged In Show as a listener as well. And so today, for a gift of any amount, we'll send you a copy of Jonathan McKee's book, Parenting Generation Screen, Guiding Your Kids to Be Wise in a Digital World. You'll find a link to order that book in the episode notes for today's show, as well as on the Plugged In blog entry for our conversation this week. Or just give us a call at 800-A-FAMILY. Thanks again for taking time to join us today. And we look forward to connecting with you again next week on another episode of The Plugged In Show. Clubhouse is really edifying in every part of it. A resource that supports your values. We subscribe to other magazines and every once in a while there will be a story that questions a parent's authority or kids behave in a way that I don't like. And we never have that problem with Clubhouse. I can trust it. Learn more about Focus on the Family Clubhouse and Focus on the Family Clubhouse Junior Magazines at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash Club Radio.